Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on this week's show, ESPN Plus gobbles up more soccer rights. Sports broadcaster drops a major hint about Copa America rights. CBS keeps expanding their portfolio of sports rights. Find out which game was the most watched of the European club season so far. Learn about how to watch Liga MX games in English. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by a special guest uh, co-host, which is uh, Chris Whittingham. And, and Chris uh, Kartik is in uh, probably, actually, he's not, probably not that chilly, but, but he's, he's in Baltimore. He's up there for the uh, United uh, Soccer Coaches Convention, uh, busy at work, probably doing some networking. But it's great to have you on the show, Chris, because we've met many times, but this is the first time you, uh, we have you on the podcast. And uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me in the sports radio parlance. They have a uh, they have a phrase which is uh, first time caller, long time listener," and th- <laughs> that is very much the case for me. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I'm happy to be on. Awesome. Well, for those listeners who aren't as well uh, familiar with you uh, as some of us are in the industry, can you give them a kind of a, a kind of a brief bio? As we go through the show, we'll talk more about more about some of the work that you do. But a brief bio uh, of where they may know your name, or maybe maybe they don't know your name until now. Sure. Um, so I've been a football commentator for about five years now. I've also worked in uh, local radio and uh, on CBS Interactive as well, doing online video. Uh, but in the footballing world, uh, I started uh, with CONCACAF uh, doing some work for them. And then I eventually moved to be in sports. I was uh, their main NASL broadcaster for two years. And then when the league went away, I've uh, worked for uh, Vista World Link, which does a lot of production of the NWSL and the USL, both championship and League One now. Uh, and recently I started uh, working with Univision uh, and to the NF for their coverage of Liga MX and Major League Soccer all in English. So I'm a fully English language broadcaster in an entirely Spanish broadcasting environment at to the NF. So uh, it's been really fun. I've been at the job now for about six months and uh, I've been calling a lot of football. Yeah. And for those who don't know too, uh, Chris is the co-host of the Chelsea Mic'd Up a mic'd up uh, podcast, yes. which is all intensive uh, blues Chelsea, and and you you had a chance to go to uh, Chelsea this uh, actually just a month ago. What was that experience like? And um, a- any interesting observations when you were there in London and I guess at, at Cobham, uh, the training ground? Anything yes. that any highlights of, of your trip? Yeah, so it's the actual official Chelsea FC podcast. So they gave us incredible access. It's part of their uh, initiative to work with the United States market and and get uh, Americans involved in being supporters of Chelsea. And uh, it was really cool because we sort of set up an interview. Hey, we're gonna let, you know we can talk to Christian Pulisic uh, for about fifteen twenty minutes, and then they said, well, why don't we just bring you over here and we can do the interview in person and we turn it into video. So uh, we took a tour of the stadium, we went to the training ground and got to interview both Christian and Jorginho. We also 
interviewed uh, the American chairman of the club, Bruce Buck, mm-hmm. uh, and, and told his story. And he actually told the story of how uh, Chelsea was purchased by Roman Abramovich. So some really cool stories. Uh, he was telling us we went to actually uh, with the away supporters to a match uh, at Tottenham, which is the match that they beat him uh, by two goals to nil. We were there with the away supporters. So it's a really cool experience. And uh, I'm really enjoying working with them. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Chris. Well, we start off the podcast, as always, as you know, uh, talking about uh, what we've been watching this past week. And uh, what have you been watching? Yeah, so I've actually uh, commentated uh, three matches over the weekend. So uh, my main remit with Tudene is to uh, broadcast in English uh, a decent amount of the matches that they have on their network in English uh, for Liga Mekki. So uh, Liga Mekki's actually returned this past weekend. It was match day one, and the uh, curtain raiser was Monarcas Morelia, uh, who made it to the semifinal of the Apertura playoffs. Uh, they played Toluca. They actually lost by a goal to nil, despite having 75% possession. They dominated the match, but Toluca uh, took advantage of one terrible back pass uh, to get uh, a one nil victory. Leon, who, by the way, if you're a newcomer to Liga Mekki's and are you know, maybe you're more used to the European style. You're, you're looking for teams that express themselves and play beautiful football. I would recommend Leon as the team to support. They play for me stylistically the best football in Mexico. They finished second in last year's Clausura, first in last year's. Uh, excuse me, I got that in reverse. So first in the Clausura and second in the Apertura. They played some great stuff. They beat Querétaro by three goals to one, despite losing probably their best player in J.J. Macias. And then Pumas uh, beat Pachuca uh, by two goals to one. That's the, the usual sa- uh, Sunday afternoon kickoff. It's either Pumas or Toluca uh, kickoff on a Saturday afternoon. So lots of great Liga MX action. And uh, as a matter of fact, match day two uh, is on the way soon. And Saturday night, the big uh, the big match is Tigres and America. So that's a rematch of the semifinal uh, from this past, uh, or was it the quarter final yeah it was the quarterfinal from this past tournament gone by so i uh, very much recommend checking that out because that's what it's probably the two biggest clubs in mexico right now playing on saturday night one of the things i love about liga max too is uh the short break in, in between kind of you mean the the clausura and apertura and, and you mean it was only what uh i think the boxing or christmas day weekend yeah it ended up being less than two weeks because of the club world cup because monterey uh, played in the final and right. so the the final of the apertura was delayed uh, by two weeks so it ended up being 12 days in between apertura and clausura so chris you're pivotally uh, kind of uh, focused or in a pivotal position of being an English language commentator uh, commentating Liga Max games and we all know that Liga Max is I mean the biggest league in America on the Spanish uh, language side we know that there's a growing interest in the English language side in terms of uh, more and more Americans uh, watching the, the league uh, many of them in Spanish language but for those who don't know um, what's the what's some of the, the tips that, that you would have in terms of how they can access to do NA extra so that they can watch uh, some of these games uh, with English language commentators such as yourself and others. Yeah, so it sort of depends on your platform of choice. If you're a Fubo TV subscriber, I mean, it's about as easy as it gets. Uh, go to the soccer section on any uh, given Liga Mekis match day, and you can find on the menu, so it'll be a listing of a match that is on Tudene in Spanish, and then it'll say underneath it, usually Tudene Extra or Tudene Extra 1 or 2, uh, and it'll have the same game uh, listed twice. If it says Extra, that means the game is in English. Uh, and then for your usual cable subscriber, you can go on the Tudene app or the Tudene website, uh, go to the Tudene Extra section and find the game, and it'll ask you to authenticate with your cable provider. Now, uh, we're working with uh, with getting with every cable provider, so uh, it's not going to be with all of them, but a lot of the major carriers we have uh, deals with in terms of all you have to do is uh, log in, and you'll be able to watch Tudene Extra and watch some League MX in English. Excellent. Great stuff. All right. So for, from the past week, uh, my favorite match of the week, uh, the one I enjoyed the most, was uh, Barcelona against Atletico Madrid, uh, the, the semifinal of uh, Great the, game. the Supercopa. The first half was pretty bland. The second half came alive. It seemed that everything happened. I mean, uh, there were two disallowed goals for Barcelona. Uh, and then Barcelona got ripped through the middle of the pitch in terms of uh, both I mean, PK making a huge mistake uh, on, on an attempted tackle. But Barcelona defensively and in and in the midfield are just torn apart. Atletico uh, winning this match three uh, two, and uh, another great atmosphere too in the stadium in Saudi Arabia for this game. I didn't expect that going into this tournament. And then we came to the final, Real Madrid against Atletico. I mean, a Madrid derby. I mean, anticipation of this being a great game. 
and and what a sleeper this one was a really <laughs> really boring game and it went all the way to penalty kicks and actually i hate penalty kicks in competitions like this if it's a yeah. world cup final I'll, I'll watch it but i think i switched it off before the penalty kicks even happened which is probably would you make it the red card um yeah it, it's I, I think i think it was i think it, it's hard to say i, th- I think it was deserved but Ah, oh, I, I don't know. Especially with all, all the TV replays and everything that we've got going on in terms of uh, all the kind of, you mean the technology that that we have. Sometimes I, whether it's red cards or VAR, sometimes I look at it and go in real time. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that that's definitely a red card or that's definitely a goal. And then all the different angles, and then I kind of have different opinions. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sold on it. But how about you? Yeah, I mean, the, the the tackle from behind in the final, I mean, it was, uh, to me, just a shocking ch- challenge from uh, Federico Valverde. And so uh, he takes him down from behind. It's like, it's one of those where after the match, I think even Diego Simeone, who's sort of on the wrong end of it, uh, you know, it was a clean opportunity for Alvo Morata to go and score the winning goal in the final. And the Argentinians are a little appreciative uh, of what the English call blank housery. Uh, so there was, there, there, was, there was a little bit of that from Valverde, and uh, he went and put the tackle in, and it saved Real Madrid uh, in the match and allowed them to win on penalties but uh it's a very luis suarez handballing off the line in 2010 a way to go about about winning a trophy what about some of the some of the other games that stood out for you uh chris yeah, I mean, in terms of European uh, games, I was a big fan of uh, PSG 3, Monaco 3. Uh, saw the scoreline, and uh, even though BN uh, have taken some criticism for you know how inaccessible it is at times, they have certainly done everything they can by the alternate means of not being on AT&T and on Comcast. And they actually have a very good YouTube channel. If you go and find uh, any game that was on their air, uh, there are some pretty long highlights that you can find. So I went and found those, and uh, Phil Shane and Gary Bailey, who are both friends of mine, were on the call this one. It was just end to end and Monaco because they fired Leonardo Jardim there's this sort of thought that they're a club that's just sort of down in the dumps right now but they put together a tremendous performance in this game coming from behind on multiple occasions taking uh, the haymakers from Neymar and Mbappe and I just thought this was a really entertaining and fun game and it just sort of shows that yeah maybe Neymar takes a game off every now and again in Ligue 1 but they've actually been uh, it's been a fairly competitive league this year uh, compared to normal and then obviously the big one at the weekend in the Premier League uh, was Tottenham and Liverpool and I just wanted to talk about this from a viewing experience point of view Mm -hmm. it's it's so boring now watching Jose Mourinho team set out to defend because back in the day when you, you go back and think about that Demba Ba game where, where yep. Steven Gerrard slips in midfield and you just think about the Chelsea team that Jose Mourinho picked that day and he's haggard and he didn't shave and he's wearing this terrible gilet on the in on the <laughs> touchline but you kind of always thought that Mourinho could pull it off, that he can go and get a clean sheet at Anfield when he really needed to. And if he's going to set up his team to defend and keep 25% of the ball, that his teams could do it. At Man United and at Spurs, there's just no convincing anyone that that Tottenham were going to hang on for 90 minutes there. Roberto Firmino with a lovely touch to get the goal. But when he sets his team up so negative, so negatively, you don't even think anymore that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it just sort of leads to, I mean, beyond the fact that the spectacle is killed by his team not wanting to play football, it's killed even more by the fact that you don't have any conviction that it's going to work. Yeah, and that's the thing, though, too. I think Kartik and I recorded a prog- podcast maybe right after he got he got uh, hired as, as a Spurs boss. And I think, actually, we, we had some audio problems or some, something happened, but we didn't release the podcast for that particular 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 week. And both Kartik and I were of the opinion that this was a bad move for Spurs in terms of the appointment. Um, my belief back then and still still now is that uh, uh, Jose is living on his past laurels in terms of all of the, you know, the the mastery, both on the pitch and off off the pitch in press conferences, living on those days, many of them at Chelsea in terms of uh, just, just how great of a manager he was, of course, Porto too and, and, and other clubs uh, early in his career. And for Spurs to appoint him, I mean, I don't know, to, to me, they got the wrong Portuguese manager. They should have got uh, uh, Nuno from, from Wolves, yeah. somebody that who's, seems to be very disciplined. Uh, Wolves, I mean, has a very um, great shape in terms of the way that they set up. Uh, very, very disciplined, but play some attacking football. And we saw that midweek, too. Um, with the FA Cup game against um, Man United, almost almost winning that one, they had a goal disallowed, but there was a good chance for them to go on and, and win that game. But they, they didn't didn't reach that goal. But still, a really really good manager um, and and a team playing really some. I mean, 
a lot of people's in the Premier League second favorite team right now, either you know, Sheffield United or Wolves. Yeah. So yeah, I I mean the Spurs Liverpool match to me, it was pretty boring to be honest with you. I mean that that it's uh, it was good to see kind of that goal in that first half, but uh, was not an entertaining match and was not something that um, I don't know. Pochettino at least probably it would have been a more entertaining game. It probably would have been Liverpool winning three two or something like that. Um, but I'm 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 just not convinced by the Jose appointment. Um, yes, it um, probably excites some of the fans at Spurs, but I, I just have no faith that he's going to do anything, you know, anything incredible with this team. At least he's not running the cliches out anymore. <laughs> he, he, when when he's yeah. asked about the Harry Kane injury, he's not you know bemoaning to the chairman asking for you know more money in the transfer market. So at least some of those uh, haven't yet arrived yet. But uh, at, at the very least, his team came out and played a little bit in the second half. I'll give I'll give him some credit for that. And he was saying after the match that they probably deserved a point. And I'm not entirely sure he's wrong. They had two guilt edge chances. Son should have scored, and Giovanni Lo Celso should have scored. Uh, so for me, um, it, it's just sort of dreary to watch those 45 minutes when you know that they're going to go to the break mm-hmm. down by at least a goal. And this defensive tactic of them not even trying to keep possession uh, will have been for naught. And that for me just kind of kills the drama of watching a big Premier League match. And also. Uh, are you concerned at all at just how dominant Liverpool is, how just inevitable their every victory seems to be in terms of, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this week and we were sort of talking about how bad it is for the Premier League that the t- their title race is over. And what what is NBC going to hype? Although this uh, game, we'll get to this in the TV rating section later, did a great number. But uh, this title race is over because not only because they have such a big lead Liverpool, but because every match that they step on the pitch, they're going to dominate and they're going to win. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, uh, from NBC's perspective, I'm sure they're probably just just hating life in terms of uh, Christian Pulisic being injured and thinking like, like what if? You mean they they could have um, kind of rode that wagon a little bit longer in terms of having him be featured as the? You mean Chelsea against Newcastle this weekend being the big game and and Pulisic maybe having having a chance to to shine. But yeah, I think I, th- I think it, in many ways it doesn't hurt Liverpool's ratings as much for NBC, but it does hurt the other clubs. So mm. there's probably less Man United fans tuning in, less Arsenal fans, maybe even less Man City fans. I mean, the other clubs that are kind of in the the upper half of the table that have just absolutely no chance of catching up with Liverpool, and I think it for those it, it hurts hurts those numbers. Uh, the Liverpool numbers will probably just keep on growing and growing. As more fans, I mean, we saw at the Fan Fest in Miami how many yep. Liverpool fans there were there. It's what seven thirty in the morning. Uh, it seemed to be the Liverpool fans. There were more Liverpool fans than any other club that whole entire weekend. And I think it's um, yeah for NBC, it's it's not ideal. Um, and probably from the Liverpool perspective, I think there'll be more and more Liverpool fans probably jumping on the bandwagon a little bit, kind of some of the yeah. mainstream pulling those fans in and those numbers continuing to grow. And That's actually, that, that, that's a really fair point that mm-hmm. Liverpool are just such a big club that attracts such a big fan base that it almost doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of the league because their fans have been so dying for this title that maybe even if you've checked out of Liverpool in recent years and now uh, you're just getting back in, you're watching week in, week out because they're actually going to go and do it and that sort of that thrill is still such a big pull that you're going to watch every single game and, and enjoy watching it. So maybe not for them, but yeah. and, and I guess, you know, Man City are still pulling, you know, putting in incredible performances like they put in against Aston Villa at the weekend and Man United fans are hoping that their team gets back on it. There's always a storyline. Uh, I just sort of wonder if the drama being killed for who is going to win uh, matters at all. But it, it's a fair point that it might not necessarily. I think it's in some ways it's uh, we're all kind of at the stage now, unless we're Liverpool supporters, uh, hoping for a giant killing, which would be any club other than Liverpool, of, of course, beating Liverpool. Right. And uh, I mean, this weekend against Man United, they're playing on Sunday. I don't see that happening. I mean, maybe a draw if if um, United are, are lucky. Um, but, um, but but maybe that's something that too that will have people tuning in a little bit more, hoping that um, one of these clubs, I mean, bound to you would you would think, but the way that Liverpool's playing, it just seems to be almost a uh, they're playing like invincibles. I mean, they just are playing so so strong as a team, uh, and have the depth and uh, have very few injury problems. That um, I just can't see anyone beating them. But I mean. Somebody must, you would think. Um, for, so, so for some of the other matches I watched uh, this past week, I watched, um, as I mentioned before, the Man United Wolves game, the FA Cup replays, uh, Spurs against Borough. 
some Premier League over the weekend. I watched uh, the South Wales derby, uh, Cardiff City against Swansea City. Ended up being a nil-nil tie, but uh, this one was more entertaining, if anything. Uh, in the crowd, you had uh, Sheffield United's Ollie McBurney, who scored the goal uh, against West Ham on Friday. Right shows up and, and is is in the, the away section with the Swansea fans dressed up and, and just singing and chanting. And um, that I love personally. I, I love, I mean, this is so rare. It happens now and again. We've we've seen this with Man United uh, games where in the away section, I think it was, was it, uh, who was it? There was, there was a few players, I mean, maybe Chris Smalling yeah. and others from the past that, that would uh, go into the away, away section. And and in Major League Soccer, uh, Chris Wondolowski uh, yeah. went viral on social media for doing this for San Jose when he was suspended. <laughs> yeah, I, to me, I, I love that. I, I don't know. It's um, it's always entertaining, and uh, I always enjoy that. Anything else, Chris, that stood out from this past week, or it doesn't have to be a football match, but anything you heard or listened to that was of interest? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I watched uh, at least a piece of most of the Premier League uh, matches from the weekend. Uh, to me, Bournemouth and Watford, the fact that Bournemouth look like they're heading down. And one of the more interesting talking points is how the teams that are hovering around the relegation zone right now appear as though they're going to keep their manager after they get relegated. You look right now at the three teams that are in it, um, Aston Villa, although maybe Dean Smith might go, he's, he's got some cachet at the club. But Bournemouth and Norwich are two teams that I think Eddie Howe can basically write his exit, however it is that he, like, I can't ever imagine Bournemouth sacking Eddie Howe because everything that they have is because of Eddie Howe. Mm-hmm. And Norwich the same, where Daniel Farka did, did such a great job of bringing them up, and they seem committed to him. So even though Norwich are eight points adrift and Bournemouth look absolutely hopeless right now uh two points from from uh the the two points from safety but it's it just watching them play sometimes is so dire yeah and and that was something too the two Robbies did a good job I think this Sunday of of analyzing that and talking about Eddie Howe and in terms of you mean should he be sacked or should he not be sacked and and uh at some point with Eddie Howe, I mean, if it's, if this continues in terms of the way that the club is just uh, playing really poorly, I mean, what is that exit strategy? Is it something that it's amicable uh, where they get together and say, you know what, let's that, see it out until the end of the season or, or give me a chance in the championship, let me rebuild? Or, um, I mean, in the, in the transfer window, we just, I mean, because there are injury hit big time in terms of uh, missing a couple of strikers so uh, maybe some key players so it is one of those things it's not as if it's uh, a fully a full squad playing really poorly Um, there are reasons that Bournemouth are in in the situation that they're in but uh, one more thing too before we move on to the TV streaming news is that I did watch um, Aston Villa against Man City on Sunday and uh I think within the first, what, 10 minutes, I, I, I ended up switching off the game. It was uh, City went 2-0 <laughs> ahead, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to be one of those games. And, of course, it ended up, ended up 6-1. But to, to me, again, that's another reason, going back to what you said before, Chris, about uh, TV ratings for the Premier League and uh, the possibility that they could be hit by Liverpool being so good is um, you also, when you have these just one totally one-sided games and Villa playing so poorly, uh, to me, it, it turns off the, the, the viewer, and I'm more likely then to switch the channel mm-hmm. and go to another match. And I think I went to the um, the Supercopa final and said, "Okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'll, I'll just watch that from beginning to end." I, I had that game on uh, in, in the background at the office before I would commentate on that Pumas match uh, for Tudene, and it, it, I, I have to be honest, there are times where. Sometimes domination can be fun to watch, and I think that was one of them because, yes, uh, Aston Villa were pretty hopeless on the day, but Man City were on the top of their game. And I think we saw the same uh, in the Carabao Cup first leg earlier that week (laughs) where they're away to Manchester United. They're 3-0 up. They could have been 7-0 up, and they were just so good that you can't help but be impressed. I know that uh, opposition has something to do with it, but Man City at the top of their game are still uh, one of the best watches. And I couldn't – I honestly, even though uh, the scoreline kept going up, up and up i couldn't take my eyes off it just because of how good man city were playing Mm -hmm. yeah and it's one of those things that i always wonder sometimes is it is it city playing so well or is it just that villa was not as good as they they could have been Mm -hmm. and 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 sometimes it's a little bit of both and and sometimes it is just you mean man city is just playing out of their skin so well that uh you mean it doesn't matter who the opposition is it's very difficult to, to stop them from playing when they're that good Now, let's move on to TV streaming news. And for listeners who are new to the show, um, the weekly TV streaming news segment focuses on the latest developments that impact your viewing experience. 
Oftentimes, we have exclusives that we discuss here that aren't publicly announced yet, as well as more scoops on our website, worldsoccertalk.com. So first up is the news about uh, more soccer acquisitions by ESPN+. Plus. Just when you thought that they couldn't acquire anything more, they, they add more on. So ESPN Plus has acquired the rights to um, Copa del Rey in the United States, both in English language and Spanish language. And uh, they began broadcasting uh, many of the Copa, Copa del Rey games last weekend. I believe it was in the second round of the competition. Um, they've also announced that um, if you log, in, log on to ESPN Plus now, and try to watch any any of the games, it'll give you an option. They'll say, okay, do you want to watch this in English or Spanish? Um, and they've had the rights to both English and Spanish for the FA Cup, Serie A, Copa Italia, and others uh, for a couple of years, actually, now. But, so, but previously, up until uh, this past week, they didn't actually give you an opportunity to watch those in Spanish. But now they have. So it's interesting, because FA Cup, I mean, you would think that the majority of people watching that would be uh, English-language uh, viewers, same thing with Serie A, same thing with Copa Italia, um, but you now have the option to watch that in Spanish language or in English language. So just as Tudorene, uh, has been a, Tudorene Extra has been a, a trailblazer, uh, it looks like ESPN is picking up uh, the steam too to try to, uh, try to match that in terms of giving uh, viewers more options. Now, of course, and, and, and I think it's fundamental as well that ESPN does this for, for all of their uh, soccer products because ultimately you're leaving viewers on the table if you don't, I think. Uh, and I think that's very often lost in the uh, streaming wars between all these streaming companies um, is the Spanish language audience and even not even just in the – um, in the sports space, but in the just the general entertainment space, I think you're actually seeing uh, Netflix ramp up some Spanish language programming uh, on, on on their sort of uh, offerings. And I just think in general, you look at all these companies, you know, HBO Max, and you look at uh, Hulu and Disney Plus, and all this. There isn't really anyone that's targeting you know Latin viewers, and I think mm-hmm. uh, having that play a role in the streaming wars, I think, is a massive part. And so uh, that ESPN Plus is doing this, especially uh, with a pretty prime Spanish language property uh, is is a great job by them and obviously uh, my company i'm biased but uh, to the end is doing a great job uh, they put all the champions league on digital uh, on their on the to the end extra channels and a lot of europe uh, european matches as well as Concacaf nations league uh, now that that's sort of a competition that's up and running so uh, I, I think the spanish language market is is sort of criminally underthought uh, in this uh, industry and i'm glad that uh, espn is covering this yeah, and, and soccer is the perfect vehicle for that too, to offer you mean, options for the bilingual audience or the, or the Spanish speakers or, or the English speakers. So many different choices. So yeah, hats off to both uh, uh, ESPN uh, Plus and uh, Tudo NA Extra. Uh, in regards to the Copa del Rey rights, uh, BN Sports previously had the rights, but according to one of my sources, there were a couple of reasons why they passed on the rights uh, or the opportunity to go ahead and re- renew those. First was the exorbitant cost that the Spanish Football Federation were uh, wanting the rights to sell the rights for. And second, the prevalence of illegal streaming is making it difficult for broadcasters to make or break even from acquiring soccer rights when so many of the viewers are watching games illegally. And this is something I think that we will probably hear more about in the future, too, in terms of just the propensity of illegal streaming and how easy it is to actually watch those games illegally uh, is going to have a going to have an impact on um, acquisition costs in terms of, you mean, why should a broadcaster pay you mean millions and millions for the rights to a competition if a large percentage of those viewers are watching it illegally and they can't monetize that. They can't, they can't uh, get any advertising dollars from that. They can't get basically nothing. It's, it's, it's on the underground. I, I understand uh, their viewpoint. Uh, to me, piracy is not a new issue, though. I think uh, it's something that I mean. I remember when I was in high school, I was looking for ways to, you know, to to pirate events that weren't, you know, being broadcast in this country. And when soccer was less prominent, prominent on television, you'd try and find ways uh, to to watch events. I, I don't think this is a new phenomenon. I can understand though how it might start affecting the bottom line dollar amount that you want to bid on something because uh, you lose that audience. But to me, um, especially in the streaming era, I mean, being sports at least is on some terrestrial, uh, you know, cable uh, providers. And so there are some homes to me, the purely digital players are the ones that are more vulnerable to it. And yet, 
don't know. From my personal vantage point, this might be a privilege uh, vantage point, but I I'll always pay if the choice is. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the Champions League is available on a variety of platforms, but I'm going to figure out a way to watch it on through the extra. And if I don't have it on through the extra, then I'll pay the 2.99 for a game of BR Live because it's worth not having to chase a stream that's you know going uh, to to eventually cut out. That's going to be swamped by ads. That's going to attack my computer. Like I will burn the calories and find a way to watch the game on the up and up. Uh, so that, that that's my vantage point. I understand there are a lot of people out there that have figured out uh, VPNs and, and, and ways of streaming uh, around events. But um, I, I don't I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that piracy is a new problem, though. I certainly understand from BN's standpoint, uh, given what's happening with the Middle East and their situation with uh, is it called BLQ or something like that? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I understand how it's sort of at the forefront of, uh, of of the thoughts of the company. But I don't think piracy is really that new of an issue. Do you? Yeah, not new, but it is becoming, it seems to be uh, more prevalent just as more and more games are going to, to streaming um, and st- streaming only. Um, it becomes, it seems to become more of an issue, but it, it's one of those kind of, um, I don't know, just those, those kind of dark areas where we don't really know. I mean, nobody really knows how many people are streaming. There's, there's estimates out there of some huge, huge numbers, but um, how are those measured? And, and, and you mean, who, who's measuring those, the, those, the, those, and, and who's actually uh, saying what those numbers are? Are they inflating them to make it sound better, uh, sound uh, a worse of, of a situation than it actually is, or are they underestimating it? Yeah, it, this is definitely one we'll cover in the future in terms of um, a topic, both on the website and on this podcast. Uh, a few quick hits before uh, Chris, you have some big news, and, and the first quick hit is Sling TV has removed FS2 from Sling Blue, shifting it to the Sports Extra package. Uh, so to access both FS1, FS2, and NBCSN on Sling Blue, you'll need Sling Blue plus Sports Extra. It'll cost you $40 per month instead of the previous $25 per month. Uh, FS2, at this point, mostly is Bundesliga games. Uh, so this is really going to be more of a hit for the the Bundesliga audience in terms of if you if you had Sling Blue, now you have to pay uh, what, about $15 extra to get uh, access to those games on FS2. Uh, second of all, is NBC NBC Sports reporter Neil Ashton has left Sky Sports and The Sun and NBC Sports to start up his own media consultancy uh, business. His first client is Manchester United. Uh, NBCSN said, said that they will hire a replacement, but no date has been announced yet for when he or she will start. Soccer stream- I, I'm, I'm actually sure, a, uh, I, I'm, I'm mildly disappointed that uh, he's leaving the Sunday Supplement program. I actually uh, I, I don't believe it's available with NBC Gold, but it's actually available as a podcast. And uh, right. on on a, on a Sunday morning when there isn't a ton of original content being uh, you know pushed out on that platform, I actually used to listen to Sunday Supplement fairly often. So uh, hopefully they can find a, uh, a suitable replacement for him. Yeah, actually, and the replacement is uh, Jackie Oatley from. Uh, oh wow, she's B- brilliant. BB Sport, yeah. So it's a good replacement. Uh, yeah, and I agree with you, Chris, in terms of um, the quality of content in, on that show. Oftentimes, we would get to hear a lot from the journalists and reporters in the UK on that show, given different opinions, and uh, in sometimes sometimes that was probably the best place and, and the only place we could get to hear some of those folks. And uh, it was a really kind of high level intellectual show. And I'm sure Jackie will continue it at that uh, kind of that rate. But um, but yeah, Neil Ashton definitely to me is a big loss for NBC Sports. It'll be interesting to see who they replace um, him with for um, kind of the Premier League insider um, role. Soccer streaming service Fanatis, who is based in Miami, has received uh, $10 million in funding from a venture cap- capitalist. Uh, the money is going to be used to expand the service globally. It's already available in the United States and uh, select countries. Um, now they're looking at global expansion. And last but not least, Telemundo has expressed interest in acquiring the rights to Copa America 2020, which will be held in Argentina and Colombia. Uh, meanwhile, Telemundo has confirmed that their coverage of the women's soccer in the Olympics this summer will feature more coverage than ever before. And for the Copa America 2020, that is the Spanish language um, rights. Um, so they're interested and we'll have to wait and see uh, if they do get that acquisition. But also on the English language side, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one too. Last year's competition uh, the Copa America 2019. We didn't find out that the English language rights have been acquired by ESPN until March of 2019. So there's still some time for uh, a possible English language uh, acquisition there to a broadcaster to pick up with those rights. 
And Chris, over to you. This is some interesting news. Yeah, so uh, with CBS uh, soon to have the Champions League starting in 2021, uh, I was just sort of looking for any uh, you know news that are that's sort of in this area. And uh, CBS All Access is actually lining up a bid for NFL streaming rights. And I've actually uh, was you know hearing on other uh, sports media podcasts. All this is my my preferred sports media podcast. Uh, I was listening <laughs> to others, uh, and uh, they were basically saying that this is a really big part of the CBS and the Viacom strategy is really pushing the CBS All access service to be a competitor and they're actually going for live rights to the nfl uh to be on their platform now the nfl is considering uh, dividing up their rights that they have for the nfl red zone channel which is a very popular product which basically is to whip around show of every game on a sunday afternoon uh going from scoring play to scoring play and right now there's you know a, a half the package is it has is it belongs to direct tv and the other half is basically a cable only outfit and then there's the nfl sunday ticket which is out of market uh both uh on on cable and on terrestrial television which is owned by direct tv and also by direct tv uh, online via their app you have to be subscribed to uh direct tv sunday ticket so they're thinking about splitting up these packages into more a, into a more digital friendly uh sort of way of of getting people to watch it and cbs all access is apparently uh, considering bidding for these so uh, it's interesting to me that they want to they don't want this to just be you know the champions league and then the library of cbs shows it seems that they have a real content strategy that I would imagine involves some serious cash if they're bidding for NFL rights. Yeah, and right now, CBS All Access, if you ask most people on the streets, I mean, what is it and, and what programs does it have? Most people would say, I think Star Trek, I think some of the Star Treks is on there, and yeah. um, I think The Good Fight, I think it, it is. So, but, but but it's mostly... I think, I think Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out, has, oh, yeah. a, has an original version of The Twilight Zone, I think, on there. Okay, yeah, that's right. So most of it is is drama shows or, or kind of entertainment shows, for, for lack of a better word. Um, and with the acquisition of the UEFA Champions League for 2021, the summer onwards, uh, with probably all of the games going to be av- available on CBS All Access, and with the possibility that if they do line up a bid for the NFL streaming rights and do acquire uh, a portion of those, that makes it an incredibly attractive, uh, you mean, one of those go-to must-have streaming services, just like ESPN Plus is now. And we're, we're at a stage Chris, where with ESPN Plus gobbling up all the rights, it seems, uh, especially on the English language side, in terms of, I mean, it, we could be in a few years from now that really in terms of if you wanted to watch the Premier League and La Liga and Liga MX and um, say the Champions League is that, and, and maybe Major League Soccer too, kind of together there, it could be one of those things that you can say, well, I want ESPN Plus. I want um, Fubo in order to get uh, to do NA, in order to get uh, NBC, in order to get B in sports, um, and, and and of course the Univision channels too, is that you could end up with, and, and then CBS All Access to get the Champions League. You could say, okay, those might be the three go-to streaming services, CBS All Access, ESPN Plus, and Fubo, or if not Fubo, Sling TV, or, or one of the other, many other streaming services out there. And that could give you the lion's share of all the soccer coverage that's out there, unless you want to go really niche, niche and go, uh, you mean, fanatis for um, Superliga Argentina or, or other leagues. What's your take on that? Do you see that's the way we're heading or, or do you see just lots of uh, changes and upheaval over the, the coming years as rights uh, become available uh, to other broadcasters? We mentioned venture capitalists getting involved with Fanatis. I think that's sort of uh, the way that a lot of these companies are heading right now is uh, which companies are going to have the capital to really draw something attractive uh, to their platform. And I think ultimately there is a finite amount of dollars. We, we, you didn't even mention NBC Gold uh, in that equation. If, you, if you're a fan of a specific Premier League team that isn't regularly featured on NBCSN. Um, but uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm looking at the prospect of CBS All Access and, and wondering, you know, obviously do they and they will continue to have the rights to the Champions League. How are they going to make this attractive? And things like this is how you make it attractive. But you wonder who has this endless reservoir of cash because ultimately these sports rights are, are, are more expensive. And I think 
my ultimate takeaway is ultimately this content is going to end up somewhere. Uh, th- now the question is, will consumers pay for it? But really for me, who this is the biggest boon for is the holders of the life rights, the leagues themselves, uh, because the NFL, even though there was a you know serious conversation three years ago about what where their ra- their ratings were heading, um, they're going to see a significant increase in the rights uh, that they're uh, going to command. Uh, the NBA, their ratings are down this year, but I would imagine it'll be a similar thing. There'll be you know four broadcast companies and nine streaming companies that are going to want the want the rights to their games. We haven't we haven't even mentioned companies like Amazon or mm-hmm. DAZN or AT and T with their Bleacher Report live service. So um, there are so many companies that want in this game and live sports is such a valuable product that I just for me I, I can only uh, take away that these companies or that that these leagues are in such a good position Major League Soccer is heading soon towards a, a, a rights renewal cycle and even though maybe their their ratings I, I, though I imagine they'll be in a better position this year being on network television more often yep. they're they're going to encounter a good market because all these companies want live sports rights. Absolutely. Lots of competition. Uh, we've seen that uh, this week in, with reports about One Soccer interested in the Canadian MLS rights when they come up for bid. Uh, the more competition, the better f- for these leagues. And, and and that's the thing, I guess, at the end of the day, in terms of um, these streaming services, um, so whether it is CBS All Access, whether it is ESPN Plus, and whether it is, say, say a Fubo that has access to the, the Premier League and La Liga uh, and Liga MX, my concern overall is making sure that um, we don't just get the world feed. Yeah, the world feed in, in, for certain opportunities, certain games is okay. Um, but personally, yeah, I, I want to hear the the, the the local commentators. And again, it's 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 um, it depends on who who the world feed is and what the quality level is. But that's my concern is with a lot of these acquisitions of games, we're getting less and less of the local commentators and we're getting more of the Wilfred, which which is, I'm sure, cheaper. We, of of native production, really, and I think that's something yeah. that really you don't see. I, I've I've had you know on very rare occasion, like you you watch you know clips online from DAZN Germany, and they have a full you know touchline reporter team, and and they're it's a full production for what is ultimately a streaming product, and it's kind of strange to me that other countries are leading the way uh, in this regard. Now we haven't really seen in this country a domestic product go to a streaming company in the way that even Amazon for the Premier League did for two match days. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen, although, I mean, Amazon for the NFL, they have the rights to Thursday Night Football and they did a lot of production. They had not just, you know, one uh, commentary, they had four or five in varying languages. And, you know, there's an all woman team and there's a UK team with uh, Derek Ray and Tommy Smith. So they're, they're all kinds of productions. But I, I, I'm very much with you both uh, from the perspective of a consumer, but also from a very self important commentator that wants to continue to work. Please, uh, production <laughs> companies and streaming companies, hire commentators and hosts and analysts and uh, continue uh, to keep our burgeoning industry going. Absolutely. Yeah, and probably Serie A and the Bundesliga, um, when the Bundesliga starts up in, in August on ESPN+, Plus, are probably the closest we've gotten to a large league, soccer league, uh, going to an all-streaming. Uh, well, it's not even all-streaming, though. You I mean, we have the game of the week on Serie A, usually Mark Donaldson and Matteo Bonetti. Um, and with the Bundesliga, we'll have to wait and see. It was supposed to be four games a season on on um, ESPN or ESPN2 or ESPN News. We'll have to wait and see on that too. And one more thing too about ESPN Plus is that uh, it's been very slow and incremental in terms of any changes to that streaming service. So we just saw the Spanish language options being added uh, this past week. The other thing though too with ESPN Plus is that finally, I think uh, post-match, usually it would just have a screen that would say uh, end of event and that's it. It was like, oh, come on. Uh, now, now they have some in-house promos. They got talking about 30 for 30 and talking about some of the other things that they have going on. So, um, and that took what, uh, almost two years to put, put in place. Over to the TV rating side and uh, the big number, the big change is that uh, the most watched uh, Premier League game of the season, which would be the most watched European club game of the season, happened this past weekend. Uh, we talked about it earlier, and that's uh, Tottenham Hotspur against Liverpool. 
Uh, this game uh, attracted or averaged 1.484 million viewers. It was on NBC, uh, uh, the flagship NBC and Telemundo. So those numbers are combined. Uh, I think the NBC number was, I think, about 1.1 to 1.2 million. And then the uh, Telemundo number was about 295,000 people watching that game. So big numbers uh, for Liverpool and, and Spurs, of course. Uh, just wish the game could have been more exciting, but hey, you can't have everything. Yeah, and I think this sort of goes back to our earlier conversation that uh, Liverpool, when they're going to be in this window, uh, have the real chance to to draw some massive numbers. Uh, we only have the TV schedule through February, and they have another network NBC match on, presumably given the time period, uh, Saturday, uh, February 15th, away to Norwich. But if they have one or two more big six clashes uh, that are in that Saturday uh, NBC network window, they have another one against Watford as well, uh, late February, uh, the more that they're on in that window, I think they might continue to shatter records because um, every Liverpool fan is going to be, uh, you know, tuning in to watch their team win the title. And I think yep. uh, it, it's funny because even though um, I, I'm kind of saying that there isn't really any drama in it, I think the the lack of drama might almost be an attractive part of it for Liverpool because you just sort of get to enjoy this wild ride of winning the trophy without it being a wild ride. It's just sort of this unbridled display of enthusiasm every single week. And you just get to enjoy watching your team uh, mm-hmm. win this trophy. And I think uh, that's what's ultimately going to end up happening here is that Liverpool are going to end up drawing some massive numbers, similar to how Leicester did, even though that wasn't really that close of a title race. Uh, Liverpool, I think, are going to draw some massive numbers just because of how much fun their own supporters are having. Yep, absolutely. And it does remind me a lot, too, of Arsenal's uh, invincible season. One of those things, the way that Arsenal went through that season, uh, just you know, re- very reminiscent of, of, of this one. Um, and then the second number I'll, I'll point out, Chris, and this is something that's uh, right down your, your alley. Uh, Burnley against Chelsea, uh, 588,000 people watched this one on NBCSN on Saturday. Um, to be honest, it seemed to be like a, I mean, pretty much a another one-sided, very comfortable victory for Chelsea. But we did have one question from one of the listeners um, that I'll pose to you. And that was from Daniel. And he, Daniel says, please help me understand how NBCSN selects which game is televised in a time slot. Right now, I'm stuck watching Chelsea against Burnley, which is arguably the, <laughs> the least compelling matchup in this time slot. Pulisic is injured and not in the squad. And Chelsea is predictably up 3-0 with 40 minutes left. So why choose this matchup? Help me understand. What, what what's your take on this, uh, Chris? Well, was it the other uh, big match in that window, Manchester United and Norwich, and that one finished four nil? That's right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know if uh, I mean maybe they can put the um, the the goal rush show on so that at least when a game uh, is no longer interesting, they can at least flip to the other games. But I don't know what you'd ha- I mean. I guess what ended up being the most interesting match is Leicester Southampton, mm-hmm. but NBC, when given the choice of putting Man United or Chelsea on would always put Man United or Chelsea on over Leicester Southampton. So, I, I I mean, they have to make a choice on which game to put on. They presumably have a formula that includes, you know, big club and American audience. And uh, obviously, uh, th- these choices, um, I think they can probably make them fairly late in the day considering they own all they own the rights to all the games. But I'd imagine at a certain point they have to lock in, we're going to put Chelsea on in this window, hoping that Pulisic is going to play. Um, but I, I don't know if the other choice was really that uh, that great. Um, I, I guess, unfortunately, to the to to the reader uh, or the listener, I think the only uh, solution to this is buy NBC Sports Gold. And if yep. you want to watch a different game, watch a different game. And, and that was the thing, too, when we had NBC Sports Live Extra, where it was free uh, as long as you I mean, had a cable or, or a, a satellite subscription. And you could change a channel. You could say, OK, without having to pay for NBC Sports Gold, you could say, OK, let me change the channel. Well, not change the channel, but you mean go to the streaming service or whatever it is to watch the, the, those other games. If it was Norwich against Man United or, or Southampton Leicester or you mean whichever game it would be. So these days it were more, pretty much more stuck. And it seems to be that NBC Sports is uh, showing less games on CNBC and USA that, like they used to in the past. Um, they're trying to get those audiences to watch that one match and, and kind of bump up those numbers a little bit. And then we saw with the Chelsea uh, Burnley att- um a viewing um, number, 588,000 people is pretty decent. Speaking of pretty decent, uh, Chris, a, a couple of, uh, actually a number that came out of uh, MLS that uh, you wanted to, to share. 
Yeah, so uh, the MLS Super Draft uh, was last week, and I was watching with interest because my local club, Inter Miami, had uh, two of the first three picks, and uh, they picked uh, a winger and a defender. Or, I'm sorry, a center forward and a defender. Um, there was uh, some kitschy things that they did with the broadcast. They had uh, David Beckham ready to surprise the number one overall pick, Robbie Robinson, with a Skype. It was uh, slightly awkward, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it was still fun. And then uh, Nashville, who had the second pick, uh, they sent a, a, a bus of supporters uh, with the reporters who's Collins and I believe their general manager Mike Jacobs mm-hmm. uh, over to the house of the second pick and they were like singing on his lawn as the pick was announced and he walked outside and realized all the supporters were there and it was a really cool scene but in the end on social so they ended up uh, putting this on the ESPN app on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and uh, all the other ESPN platforms, uh, 3.3 million views. Now, that is not viewers, uh, but that is at least a views of someone starting the broadcast. Uh, I, I, I watched on both. I, I think I watched on three of the platforms. It was just, uh, I, I was flipping around them just to see which one uh, had the least delay. Uh, and, uh, and you saw decent audiences. They were carrying uh, those broadcasts. So uh, ESPN trying a, l- a little bit atypical. I can't imagine uh, they can clear uh, two hours for the Super Draft on, on a linear network, uh, given its de- its decreasing relevance, but they're finding alternate ways to do it and making it interesting and uh, fair play because it seemed like they got some decent viewership out of it. Yeah, and listeners, if you did uh, miss the uh, the Nashville pick, definitely check it out on uh, whether it's on YouTube or I'm sure on the MLS website. Uh, it was re- really some good video of of uh, him getting picked and, and the fans. Yeah, Jack Maher com- is the center back's name. Exactly, it kept coming to the house. That was pretty. That was pretty neat. And then Chris. Um, this is a kind of a British expression, but uh, I think Major League Soccer must be licking their chops at the <laughs> at the prospect of of something happening, perhaps in the next few days to the next week or so, uh, that's going to change things. I mean, significantly. What's your take on the potential uh, acquisition or a hiring of uh, Chicharito? Yeah, and I think um, this is the I, I think this is probably the whale uh, for Major League Soccer that they've been chasing. Uh, yes, they got Zlatan in; uh, he's a big one. Obviously, Messi and Ronaldo uh, are still to come, and we'll, we'll see when uh, the point in their career in which they would even make that decision arrives. But Chicharito is probably the player that they've most wanted in their league, and the fact that they're getting him at a decent age, at 31 years of age. Uh, now, this one is not officially over the line yet, but all suggestions are that Chicharito is moving from Sevilla uh, to LA Galaxy, and again. Well done to the LA Galaxy for maintaining this relevance uh, as they have uh, the oncoming threat of LAFC as such a great side and drawing great crowds. They will always have a big star at the LA Galaxy. Uh, and Chicharito, for me, I think this is going to be even underrated in how big this is for the league because while it won't draw the world headlines that Zlatan did or even Wayne Rooney did, locally uh, in both the U.S. and in Mexico, this is going to be a massive massive deal. Mm-hmm. Chicharito is by far the biggest star amongst the Mexican-American population, and of course the Mexican population. Uh, there are going to be a ton of people that go to their games in the Latin American market, so when LA Galaxy go away to Houston, when LA Galaxy go away to Dallas and to Chicago and the other cities uh, where there are big Mexican-American populations, he will draw big crowds, uh, and he will draw massive television ratings uh, locally in Spanish, I imagine, uh, for wherever the LA Galaxy local rights holder is, they will have increased relevance and shirt sales, and also from a personal standpoint, the first uh, to the end match of the season for Major League Soccer is Houston Dynamo hosting LA Galaxy. That is going to be a huge number on the Univision network. Chicharito for me is going to draw a huge amount of interest, more for me in terms of TV ratings than even Zlatan did. I know Zlatan uh, drew some big numbers for, for some El Trafico matches, but week in, week out, I think Chicharito is probably the biggest draw that they've had in the league since David Beckham arrived in 2007. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised actually if if he actually outdoes uh, Beckham. If you look at Beckham's numbers, in, I mean, he, that season, that first season where he, especially the, some of the games, it was like a game in what uh, against uh, the Red Bulls, I think it was mm-hmm. in New York, which had a, a big audience for that one. Um, the first game he played, where there was a Beckham cam that followed him. I mean, it was that, that one was a little bit too much. But I wouldn't be surprised if over the course of a season, Chicharito's numbers, as long as he stays healthy as long as he signs for Major League Soccer, um, could be some massive numbers. And this is, could be a huge boost. The timing is perfect in terms of the next TV deal um, at the end of the 2021 season. And um, yeah, I mean, MLS is going to be hoping and praying that this happens because it is going to have a huge, huge impact. 
Moving on to the list of mailbag. Uh, first up is Nash Rambler. He said uh, he says that the further discussion this week about your guest from last week, uh, John Nicholson, has prompted me to ask you, uh, Kartik and Chris, and uh, Chris and Chris in this case, about domestic broadcast rights for La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, and League One uh, in Britain. There seems to be a continuing angst regarding the Premier League broadcast rights being restricted to subscription providers, Sky, BT Sport and Amazon. And uh, my understanding is that the same situation exists in Spain, Italy, Germany and France for the top flight leagues. Is there the same level of discontent among the fans and the general public in these countries as there is in Britain about having to subscribe to cable satellite streaming to watch their football? This is a great question. I don't have a ton of experience with this. Uh, I know that, for example, Sky Sports, I mean, if you're in, in Germany, um, Sky Germany is huge. If you go to, I mean, Italy, Sky Italia is huge. Um, in Germany, a lot of the games are actually, uh, the rights are by uh, DAZN, uh, if you want to watch uh, a lot of the Bundesliga games. Uh, and so in the UK, I mean, my most of my family or most of my relatives in the UK, uh, very few of them have Sky Sports. Uh, most of them have just free-to-air, so BBC, ITV, Channel 4. And that's how they you know, watch their entertainment or news and occasionally uh, sport. And, and that's why, in many ways, that Match of the Day from the BBC is still such an, an institution, such a, uh, a huge show in the UK. Um, in terms of the other countries, um, I believe there still is a lot of angst against the, the cable satellite companies, um, but I can't say from experience how much of, of a level of um, angst there is um, because I, mean, I have not lived in those countries. I, I do not know. What about you, Chris? Do you have any take on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I've actually uh, been to the UK uh, on, on a few occasions and been looking to find, uh, you know, places to go and watch games. And usually, I mean, there was one time I had one Airbnb that had Sky, uh, and so I was able to watch. And it's actually it's great if you're willing to pay for it. I mean, yeah. in terms of uh, the the breadth of channels and the programming, even on the Sky Sports Premier League channel, I actually would love to see more of it here uh, on NBC. In terms of you know Premier League years and and even just rerunning old games, they have all kinds of great uh, content on there. But um, it, it, it is something where, you know, for example, something more niche, you know, from my standpoint, I remember when I was there once uh, with a group of friends, we wanted to watch college football there. It was on BT, but you, you had to go on their website to find a pub near you that was showing that has BT. And then you had to somehow convince the guy behind the bar <laughs> to put BT to the ESPN channel on so they could watch college football in, in, a, in a British pub. So um, it, it is generally a pub culture, uh, from my understanding, that if you don't have Sky and you want to watch a live match, you have to go down the pub grab yourself a pint and you can watch the game there and and I, I think the pubs do pretty well with that but um, I, I can certainly uh, understand their frustration um, that I, I was I was just sort of going through uh, pretty cursorily the the places that have the rights and it is very often uh, streaming or uh, on cable and so that that's not as uh, big of a, of a market as it is over here right um, and I think as well the leagues over here prioritize uh, putting things on free to air the NFL in particular I don't think we'll ever have a big event not on free to air um, other than you know Monday night football um, and and I, I just think that the, the leagues here prioritize it too much uh, that they're willing to take a little bit less. And the companies have enough financial power uh, to still compete at the highest level, even if they are free to air, not cable. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I understand that this is a growing trend around the world, but it's where the money is. And I think ultimately uh, these leagues are going to continue to take the money from the streaming companies and the satellite companies uh, because they have the money and they're willing to pay over the top for rights compared to the free to air companies. And I think that's why they ultimately end up with the rights. Yeah, and in the UK specifically too, in the last 12 months, um, most of the games from La Liga have not been available. There was, um, was it, um, oh, I forgot the name of the company, 11, 11 Sports. I think 11 Sports, yeah. Yeah, last season had the rights to La Liga and then they went uh, bust or they, they didn't have enough money to actually end up paying for the rights. So then um, the La Liga games, I, I think uh, I think ITV picked up a, a few of those they're, games. They're actually, so I, I have experience with this. So okay. I believe they're on a company called Premier Sports because yep. Yep. Uh, I, I went and found it because uh, on the night of El Clasico, uh, I was I was in London on my Chelsea trip and um, we were sort of looking for a place and there was one bar in like, you know, those four tube stops over that we had to go and find uh, that was showing the Clasico and they had this uh, sports channel. It was actually funny because in the bar, 
they had like this tiered seating. It was like this row <laughs> of benches, and it was packed with people that I, that had also basically just gone on Google and found where could I watch El Clasico in London, and they all packed into this one bar uh, that seemed to have this package. But yeah, it is that difficult to find at times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Premier League is so big in in Britain that uh, it it pretty much uh, other than say the Champions League or other competitions, but it, it is it is the uh, the big one. Uh, JP says, uh, I might be of a simpler, similar vintage as Kartik. What I recall most about NBC Sports back in the day wasn't Wimbledon, although I did watch it. It was the NBA on NBC every Sunday once football season ended. They got the package from CBS at the perfect time. Golden age of the NBA in the early 1990s. Magic and Bird still around, but nearing the end. Isaiah and uh, Detroit finally getting over the hump. Uh, great fun teams in Portland, Utah, Seattle, Golden State and Phoenix out west. Michael Jordan was about to embark on his complete domination. The New York Knicks were actually relevant too. So so there's some memories of uh, NBC, and, NBC back in the day. And still the best uh, theme song for any television product, the NBA and NBC music, is actually composed by John Tesh, and it is absolutely delightful, and it's too bad that it is now defunct. <laughs> <laughs> and last, last but not least, uh, Eric Boyer says, uh, curious to know if you've heard what is the fate of Fox Soccer Plus? Uh, with the Bundesliga heading to ESPN Plus in the summer, I was curious if they would A, keep their AFL and Rugby League properties, B, let those properties lapse and not renew, or C, shut down the channel completely. I'm a watcher of both the AFL and Rugby League, um, so I was w- wondering if I should cancel my subscription or just keep it going. Any insights would be appreciated. And it's interesting with Fox Soccer Plus because that streaming service is not owned by Fox Soccer. Uh, it's actually owned by Perform, which um, was was the company that is now uh, DAZN. So in many ways, it's, it's uh, licensing. It's kind of using the Fox Soccer name to have a service. And I'm sure Fox uh, gets a, a percentage of the, the commissions that come through. It's probably one of the reasons why Fox Soccer Plus, actually, Fox Soccer Match. Actually, no, let me go back. Actually, Eric's question was Fox Soccer Plus, which is completely different. Yeah. I was thinking about Fox Soccer Match Pass. Okay, forget that. Well, Fox Soccer Match Pass, let me let me just finish that up. It, the likelihood that that will continue, who knows? When the Bundesliga goes, there's going to be so little left with that. Maybe they rename it to, I mean, rugby and, 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 uh, Australian League or something, something other than Fox Soccer Match Pass. That to me, uh, and that's the reason that it's so expensive is because it's uh, Fox, I'm sure, is getting some of the commissions, but Perform is getting the most of them. But going back to Eric's real question, which I, I missed first, but I, I got it now, Fox Soccer Plus. I mean, to me, that that network, that channel has always had um, a, a misnomer, the, the name itself anyway. Uh, there's so little soccer content on there that is live um a lot of it is replays a lot of it is other sports such as rugby and, and afl um it, it originated so the reason that we have fox soccer plus was that was the old satanta channel and when fox soccer acquired satanta in the in the u.s um they changed the name to fox soccer plus back then it made sense it made total sense but um What's the fate of it? I don't know. Um, I would think that perhaps um, if it's making money, they keep it and maybe change the name. Uh, or they can look at perhaps uh, changing that to some other channel that could be man, something completely different. What about you, Chris? Have, have you been uh, you're an avid watcher of Fox Soccer Plus? <laughs> I'm actually not, uh, but I, I was just going through in my guide. I have AT&T UVerse and I have uh, Fox Soccer Plus available, um, and uh, they don't have any soccer programming for the next 24 hours. It's not <laughs> at, at time of recording. I was actually amazed because I was going through my AT&T UVerse that I get with my building, and because uh, I, I wanted to add HBO, and I was just going through all the options for fun. And I could not believe that Fox Soccer Plus is $15 a month. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess if you're a devoted Australian rules football uh, fan, then you are going to to, to buy that. But um, I, I I just would have figured that uh, given uh, how they've lost rights and it used to be you know the home of the Scottish Premiership and there were actual things on there uh, that 
um, that that they haven't even lowered the price point. Uh, it seems as though it's a product that uh, you know I, I would imagine at some point is going to go to a streaming product or something like that. And even like the the big rugby rights, it seems like NBC has those and they're uh, turning those into a streaming service. So uh, I would imagine all these things are heading the way of streaming, and uh, it, it is actually a very quaint relic of the past that there is a you know pay subscription channel uh, that is just for sport that it just seems to be for one uh, channel that you get one lineup of programming. This seems very much in the era of streaming uh, to be a bit of a relic. Yeah, and it's been neglected over the years. It's really been kind of left alone and um, not much effort put into it. Uh, Eric, going back to your question, should you cancel or just keep it going? If it's an annual subscription, I would not renew it. Um, If it's a way to do it on a month-to-month basis, I would do that until we know exactly what the future of that channel is going to be. Uh, We should know more, hopefully, this summer. Um, Right now, it's almost like a zombie channel uh, just going on and on and on with very little content. They they do usually have... um, one Bundesliga game on, on a Saturday, one of the smaller games that's not on FS1 or FS2. So listeners, uh, we want you to have your say. Uh, any questions about uh, uh, zombie channels or uh, in terms of um, commentating, in terms of production values, in terms of streaming options uh, or different ways to watch soccer, any anything that relates to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Chris, um, for those listeners who are interested, uh, especially if, if they're Chelsea fans, where can they find uh, Chelsea mic'd up? And uh, any other plugs you'd, you'd like to give, uh, feel free. Yeah, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we're available on all of them. Uh, if you're into Chelsea Football Club, uh, we have a weekly podcast out every week. We have uh, guests from the club. We've recently had, as I mentioned, Jorginho, Christian Pulisic. We've had uh, Tammy Abraham on the podcast as well. I believe we're due to have Reese James uh, on the show next month. And then uh, all my commentary work right now is on uh, Tuda Ene, so check it out, Tuda Ene Extra. Uh, I have four matches this weekend, uh, one every night, and then on Sunday I have the afternoon kickoff. Uh, and then the MLS season will be get back going soon. Soon, so uh, we'll have that in about a month and a half from now. So uh, wherever you are watching uh, events on Through the Anna, imagine you can watch them in English on Through the Anna Extra. And uh, check it out, ThroughTheAnna.tv uh, or the Through the Anna app. Excellent. Well, Chris, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. And heading into another weekend of soccer from around the world, we've got uh, we've got the Liverpool Man United match on Sunday. We've got uh, League MX uh, week two, as well as lots of other games from around the world. Chris, uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.